Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die, where my goal is to give you evidence that although our bodies will disappear, we survive physical death. When we aren't afraid of death, we are less afraid of life. From these episodes, I aim for all of us, myself included, to take more risks in life, go after our dreams, have great relationships, and some fun in the process. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And today on our show, I'm pleased pleased and excited to introduce you to my friend, Patricia Geigich. Now, I met Patricia at a, uh, called a boot camp, Rockstar Boot Camp, hosted by the phenomenal Craig Duswalt. And I didn't really know much about Patricia. And she got up on, on stage and she shared some about herself. And I don't remember, or I didn't remember at the time, everything she shared. But Patricia is one of these people that's an example that everything is possible. You can have a lot of different loves. You can be a philanthropist. You can run businesses. You can be an artist. And there's very few of these folks that I've met, but those that I have, I've really become enamored with. And um, so something told me there's more to Patricia than meets the eye. So when she volunteered and she said she has a story for us for about why she believes in life after death, I thought, yeah, I want to interview this woman. So a little bit about Patricia. She's an an international artist, photographer, author, business owner, mentor, and philanthropist. Patricia Geigich has been a passionate supporter of a lot of great causes. In fact, with her artwork, she's exhibited in Zurich, Geneva, London, Frankfurt, Austria, As a business owner, she's operated a property management company for over 20 years. She is a mentor, a coach, uh, passionate about giving. In fact, she's part of um, Free the Children and co-founder of the Colors of Freedom Foundation. She's spoken about building a, helping build a library, orphanage, and school in Cambodia. She is the author of a book, a new book called Karmic Alibi. She's working on two nonfiction books and very playfully, I think she was being playful. She says she's got about 39 other books in the works uh, and a fiction series as well. She is, uh, I've got so much in front of me right now. She has won uh, plenty of awards, received nominations. She's even been knighted as a dame of the Order of St. George. Thrilled to also find out she's certified by the University of Toronto in applied mindfulness, mindfulness without borders, and in transformational uh, mindfulness by the University of Toronto. She's also certified in Feng Shui, if I said that correctly, and a Reiki master. Patricia Geigich is an example for me, like it's all possible and, and to do it within one lifetime, to listen to her in just a moment, she is as normal and lovable and grounded as they come, filled with sharing and she really is this extraordinary, awesome woman. So Patricia Geigich, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Oh my God, I'm listening to you and I'm saying, who is this person? I know, because you know what, there's even more that I didn't read. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm scared. I feel like I should be probably like 125 years old. <laughs> but, but it's so funny because you just live in your own skin. So everything you've done, I'm imagining, has become pretty normal for you, right? Yeah. I, you know, as a, as a young child, I was very um, stimulated by, oh, just everything about art and everything in abstraction and I was very contemplative. I didn't really do all that well in school. I think I was like a daydreamer, but I had this fascination with knowing, you know, so many different things and uh, it catapulted, I think, kind of out of control to, to say, well, I need to know about this and I'm going to find out about it. And it that's sort of been my modus operandi. Wow. And, and a, a total go-getter. Now you're in Canada right now? That's, that's, yes, yes. In Ontario, near the Gonna Toronto. Going to have snow in a couple of days. <laughs> Are you really? Oh, that's what they predicted. Yeah. I know, I know. Well, and it's interesting because we are recording this in October 2014, and it's quite mm-hmm. possible, you know, it could be 2016 when somebody's listening to this right now in the right. in the summertime. So you just you never know. But right, it doesn't <laughs> matter. I I truly believe that if you're listening right now, uh, this is just what you may need to hear for where you're at in your life. So um, I think if we all listen to the conversation, myself included, that there's mm-hmm. gold in here for us, you know, that, like <laughs> there's, so, right? there's some juicy, well, Patricia, I know there is, I just, yeah. I know it, I know it, and I'm going to make sure of it being the host. So where do I ask you first? I think, gosh, you're up to so much. Let's just start because of the title of the show. Um, we don't die. Why is it okay to ask you why you believe in life after death? Mm-hmm, sure. Okay. So, um, I would love to share first of all, Sandra, that I am so I'm very honored and very privileged and very thrilled and very grateful, you know, for the opportunity to have been invited to, to be on your show. So, and I'm I I also want to share I love your book. So I'm I was very happy to. Um, you know, be part of this. My answer to you is I had an, I've had several different experiences. And I think when I started putting my, my future together and I said, you know, what do I want it to look like? There was a, a wisdom piece that said, you, you need to tell your story. It's a very important one. And a lot of people would never have um, been able to have survived, never mind all the success that you hear, but a lot of the hardships that you've experienced. And uh, one, moment in time came about that, you know, put this book in and you've got to come up with a title. And all I could think about was, you know, our karma. I've been a practitioner and studier of the foundation for the preservation of the Mahayana tradition, a Buddhist tradition, Hmm. and studying, you know, death and dying and impermanence and detachment and the Lam Rim. And one thing that, you know, always flirts with us is, you know, you can only be the one to tell your own story. So I had an experience when I was in my early 20s, and I write about that in this book. It was one of the reasons why I chose to write the book. And uh, would you like me to share yes. a little bit about that? Yes, okay. yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so I'm, I'm living in a very small community in Saskatchewan, and I decide that a, a friendly neighbor came over, and they don't ride their cars and trucks on a Saturday morning, they come over with their, they ride their horses. 
So he had a part Appaloosa, part quarter horse, very fast and beautiful horse. And I decided that morning to ask if I could get on it and go for a ride around town. Mm-hmm. We were talking about a population of less than, you know, 300 people. And I, uh, without getting into all the detail, because I want people to buy the book and read it, but I decided to get on the horse and they let me. And unfortunately, the horse had its uh, own mind. It just basically said, you know, you're not going to go very far with me. And we jaunted for a little while, and then something spooked this horse and uh, took me all the way to the Trans-Canada Highway and uh, got on the Trans-Canada. I am now going 45 miles per hour, which is the, the speed that that particular nature of horse goes. Oh, my and looking, gosh. On a highway. Yeah, on, a, on the Trans-Canada Highway, yeah. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm, I'm literally, I'm not going to survive. First of all, I really don't know how to ride a horse. Second of all, we're going so fast, I can't, I don't know that I can hang on. And then the third thing that I had to deal with was he was frothing and he was, he was actually panicking. And I could tell that. I look up and I see coming towards me a transport truck. And I'm thinking, this is surreal. I'm not going to live. This is my moment of death. And either he's going to throw me in front of this truck, we're not going to pass the truck safely, or the truck could hit us. I I had no idea what was going to happen, but all I knew I had to make a decision on, in that moment, what to do. And I felt strongly that this was my death, that this was a calling um, for me. So I had to make peace with, you know, I made peace with the creator. I I made peace with, I I think I named every avatar, you know, Buddha, Christ, Buhala. I just said, you know, like whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And, And I had to slide off the back of the horse. And when I did, I literally hit the pavement on the highway. I bounced for quite a while, I think, but as soon as I hit the pavement, I was out. I was gone. And I don't know for what length of time, but enough time that I had obviously rolled into the ditch. There were no cars coming past, nothing. It was just like, I I was dead. I know I was dead. And all of a sudden, I hear this voice and people are talking to me. And it was like I was underground underwater, everything was bubbling. The amount of pain I was feeling was quite crazy. I didn't, I saw lights. I did feel a a sort of like a, I want to call it a, a moment where I was being debriefed. I felt that I was in a conversation, but it wasn't me, my, my person having the conversation. It was actually very etheric and the next thing I know, I'm trying to jump kind of back into my skin. I'm trying to understand who I am. I'm, I'm piecing together these things in my head, and I couldn't speak, couldn't walk. They put me in an ambulance. They got me into the hospital, and they x-rayed me. I broke my nose, but I did not break any other single thing in my body, which was a shock. How lucky, yes. But without hesitation, I chose to spend the following 30 years, absolutely not wanting to remember the moment, not wanting to talk about it, not sharing about it. It almost put me in a state of, um, I don't know, it was it was so toxic for me. I was so, I lived in, not fear, but I was afraid of going back to that moment. 
And then when I chose to write the book, I, I had to go through that experience again where I really needed to feel everything so much surfaced for me that I began to realize that I actually did die. I know I died and I was given an opportunity. And where it all came together for me was when I started to look at my characters in the book and I created a character called the Wisdom Auditor, a, a reflection in a conversation of coming back into this world and then choosing what do I do, who am I, what is my path, what is the source of this this consciousness or this energy that I have that's allowing me to pursue staying alive and having this great um, ability to, to observe people, feel people, see people, and be so compassionate at the same time, a, a little different than empathy, but really feeling that there is a potential for the cessation of suffering. I completely detached from an egoic position. What do you mean by that, the cessation of suffering? Like stopping suffering? That I was not, I was not sad if I didn't, here's the thing, I'll make it very, you know, yeah. very simple. I wasn't sad if I didn't get the the honor of something. I wasn't sad if I didn't win the lottery. I, I didn't feel suffering from um, not having certain things happen that were related really to the to the egoic side. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah, and then that made me totally realize that we're just here to be in the experience. And while you're in that experience, and and I felt so so complete, I could begin to help people. I'd always felt that I'd been doing that, but it became, right after the accident, it became even more so, where I was really looking at people and thinking, if you had to make the decision I made, and you're complaining about, you know, not having, or not living in the ivory tower, or not getting the, the biggest and best, or you need to have a raise, or you're not appreciated, there would be a way for me to feel into that and say, but if in this moment you had to decide if you're going to live or die versus what you're thinking right now. So there became a really strong centering for me where I could have a conversation with a person in a different way. Okay. And you, so you didn't come up with these thoughts literally till you started looking back and reliving it, what had happened 30 years prior. I've always, no, I think I've, I know, I'm sorry. I was always really that way. Okay. But in order for me to, to write the book, and, and to, I had to, I actually had to sort of like come up with the experience and, and go through it and document it again in my head where now gotcha. I can see how the cause and effect had worked. So Yeah, and your story seems a little, I don't want to say different because everybody's got a different story, but from the people that have died and then they had a life review and even right. uh, Eben Alexander has a total, Dr. Eben Alexander has a totally different thing. Like he felt like he was underground and, um, you know, I don't, I don't think too many beings came to him. Um, I think a woman came to him that was an angel that actually looked like his, his sister or something like that. But um unique and profound was your experience yeah you know Sandra I was in I was in the darkness I, I remember so profoundly that darkness and 
you know, it's something that's very different than, again, I've read quite a few people's stories about, you know, coming through the light and the tunnel and seeing so many things happen. Well, that wasn't exactly how it happened for me, but I became ultra aware. I had such a heightened sense of awareness um, after that that it it's what shifted my all my decisions and choices. The second there were two several other things, but the second one that um, really was another affirmation for me was my mother had been assaulted. Uh, this is years later, and. Uh, that that story is also in the book, and she went through a period of um, when she had been assaulted. They actually had, um, I would say, in her words, that she had died, and she she explains the decision that she had to, you know, come back into this earth body and. And she said she uh, she observed herself from above herself and saw herself laying on the sidewalk. Unfortunately, she had been robbed coming home from work. Oh boy! And yeah, it was very tragic. Uh, it was it was just a community shock. Um, she had been you know assaulted with a they kicked her with and had a baseball bat and she was pretty brutally you know assaulted. Um, and yet when she was unconscious laying on the sidewalk. She said that she has that memory of, you know, all of the lights and everything around her. So that for me was another, okay, that's, never mind what's happened to me, but, you know, now I'm hearing it directly from, from my mother. So, and then you again come to the point where you say, what does this mean to you? Like, what are, what are we greeting here? And part of my my choice in life is to say why wouldn't you want to live in a perpetual state of joyful and purposeful life abundance and why do you want to make bad choices so the the opportunity for me to put my thoughts together I said okay I'm going to create something that's really going to be a teaching tool so I designed inspired to be rewired mastering life's um, radical degrees the five radical degrees, which I call risk, root, remedy, realization, and reality. And through my process, it's very transformative where I think that we have to simplify things. It's great to have knowledge and be very macro in our um, dissecting and making groundbreaking um, you know, discussions, but the reality is when you can break something down to its to its finest and its most perfect place, you're going to be able to understand it better. Can you give an example that we could use? Maybe there's something that we're all dealing with or just anything come to mind? Because I I get kind of in theory what you're talking about, but I don't get uh, like the application of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Again, it's it's like a selection. So you have had um, an argument with one of your siblings. Right. And you're really going to hold a grudge. And that's happened to all of us. (laughs) And they think they're right, and you know you're right. (laughs) So you've got to teach them that lesson. Well, in in so many ways, if if you can actually understand what um, what the argument's about, what difference is it really going to make to anyone, you know, two days later or four days later or five days later? So if you can learn how to master releasing your attachment to 
you being right in that outcome and just letting, basically letting things go and transforming them so that as a result of your action, which is very positive, you're not adding any more negative to that other person who, when they're in their anger mode, they're just continuing to add more and more. So if you deplete them or allow them that cessation of it, they are going to change and that creates a better a better um, relationship, an opportunity for better relationships. Now, how can you deplete them of their anger through this? By not fueling it, not not continuing the argument, not continuing to be in, in that negative conversation with them. Is there some kind of a conversation? Because I know, um, and this might be silly, but as a kid, you know, my, I don't know, it was something between my parents and, you know, dad would say something and my mom would be like, yep, you're right. And that would be the end of the conversation. But, you know, he knew full well that she was just ending the conversation. Uh, that it wasn't diffused at all. Is there a way to be with somebody who's argumentative and have them diffuse it and not just avoid the conversation? Does that make sense? Yeah. You know what? That's a... We, that's a whole whole other show. <laughs> that's a whole other show. I I think that when again you have to look at what is an angry person angry about and why are they so attached to their anger, and are they living in a a groundbreaking fear? Um, is there a subconscious memory of of their past that they're surfacing or they're trying to deal with? What is it they're trying to support? And when when they are attacking another person at that high degree of emotion and and the other person does not want to fuel it and they walk away, there still is a relationship between the you know, the two situations, but it may not be something that can be as resolved, but mm. you know, you diminish a little bit of the fuel to it. And then there's misinterpretation as well, where people see something or or they um you know, they want to believe that what it is, their interpretation of something is, you know, it may not be the same as the other. And so that's a misguided conversation. Yeah. I, I mean, there's somebody in my life that suffers from a lot of anger and I don't know where it comes from. And I, I've right. never dealt with people with like deep seated anger. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's so easy. And I, I know for people listening too, if it's very easy for people to take something out on you, even though it's not, you know, you didn't do anything, you know, and people have, everybody's got baggage and whatnot, but it's just the world of anger. I've never gotten into too much. And, and you just brought it up. So it reminded me of a friend of mine that I just can't figure out yet. And um, I don't know, I'm just kind of sitting with yeah. the conversation. But back to you almighty fabulous patricia um there's a le- i know i'm cracking you up there is like you mentioned being ultra aware right. and although maybe you didn't see the traditional things that we've heard of and some of the near-death experiences something happened because you have lived the last has it been 30 years since this happened uh it's actually almost 40 okay so, um, you know, if you look at your resume there, or your bio that you sent me, you've done a whole heck of a lot of stuff. And uh, and it's not common. And I'm just going to say that it's possible that in this ultra awareness that you received from that moment, um, 
and I'm sure you'll agree, and I haven't read your book yet, I'm sorry, um, but who you became out of it. I mean, to be able to be up to so many things in one lifetime. I mean, can you talk a little bit? Do you think that experience, and looking back on it, I know you you know, you know, really had to go through it again when you decided to write, um, but, but looking, and can you talk a little bit about this maybe ultra awareness and uh, making different choices. You know what I'm asking? Yeah. Um, I hate to think that I'm an obsessive craving, <laughs> burning with ambition, you know, human being hungry for, you know, all of those things. But I think the, there's no denial when you're, when you're born, first of all, there has to be, all of that consciousness within you. Mm -hmm. And as, as we develop, as we grow through, you know, the early stages of our life, those things are enhanced by our exposures and our experiences. And I did have the opportunity to have amazing parents and I was exposed to, you know, creativeness and culture and music and art. So I was, I was stimulated that way. I believe that after, um, you know, this and, and, and other experiences that I, I've, you know, I've written about that did alter and change my life. But my motive, I think it was the motivation. It's, it wasn't the motivation, you know, to say, I want to be a billionaire at the end of the day. My motivation was seriously dependent upon me proving to myself that I could do whatever it was I chose to do. And when I, you know, got a job as a bank teller and sat there and said, I want to be the bank manager mm -hmm. and I want to do this before I'm 25 years old, I worked, I, I did the due diligence and I had a critical path that said, I need to get this job, this job, this job, and then I'm going to get this job and then I'm going to do that. And once I had achieved that, the next level of exposure, those things that are around you, you know, stimulate the next part of your development. So it was, you know, I think somehow in my DNA that I had really had a very clear defined desire to experience not just one thing, but, but other things. And a ton of other things. A my ton, dear. Yeah. 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 A ton, a ton. And that's, it's really, you know, you live in your own skin, but that's like not common for many of us, but it, what, what do you let's see how do I put this do you feel a sense of accomplishment when something's done do you feel like um you know my my mind's thinking of some of the things where you've really made a difference I mean can you you know tell us a little bit about getting involved in Cambodia sure uh, and just to, I'll backtrack a little bit sure my I had a um Early in our family history, we had experienced a lot of death. So okay. my grandparents had all died when I was quite young. My father died actually literally um, a month after my 25th birthday. Mm. Um, again, I had a childhood sweetheart who actually, you know, he, he drowned just after we were, you know, out of grade 13. And uh, so I carried this along with me, you know, this, this sense of I really have a lot of 
grieving and a lot of bereavement, but it just showed me that the impermanence of life is, is there. So I rendered a vision for myself with these mini goals, and I thought, if I can reach each of these, and I pick and choose them, and, and they work or they don't work, I've had that that experience. So I didn't I didn't really put a clock on the uh, time that mm-hmm. it would take, but if something was finished, I would say, that's great. I finished that and I've accomplished that. And you get you get a lot of confidence in yourself when you are able to, you know, complete those tasks. And I, I wasn't attached. I was not attached to the outcome. I enjoyed every single moment. It was being in between the moments. I, it was as if I could say, while this is happening, I am enjoying each moment of the experience as opposed to just thinking about the end result. Mm, like and, they always say, it's about the journey, right? And so you're but, living that. Yeah. So the soul within, you know, it, it just became an activation of, I, I'm going to do this. And then the people that cross your path, they, you know, they're part of your karma. And, and you have to say, how do, how do I temper this into my choices? And, you know, so there were a lot of different people in and out of my life that didn't always you know, bring me great joy. And and there was great suffering, extreme Mm -hmm. suffering. And through that faith in knowing that it could, it could have a positive ending or it could have a negative ending. I only could think about things being resolved in the highest and best order. And that, that made the biggest difference. Did that come from your parents thinking that way? Um, because that, that's really profound. I mean, it's so much easier to be a victim of something happening. I'm not going to say that, you know, I, sure, I'm going to say my, I don't, my parents were very um, motivational, but at the same time, there there was just this inner knowing, I think, just mm. an inner desire to, to be that person. Um yeah, it's an interesting question. I, it's I, funny because, that one. I, you know, what I'm trying to do is put a finger on why you're so extraordinary. And I, and that's like a, a tough thing to do because you're, you're just living your life, you know, <laughs> and it's like, wow, you know, just from an outsider point of view. Well, ex- um, extraordinary and with a, a humongous amount of wisdom. So I want to leave myself and others with some of this power about, you know, I really like how you say, I mean, you saw the, a lot of death and, and, and then you'd put these small goals and then you'd achieve it and enjoy in the moment. I mean, it's a giant nugget just right there in and itself. Don't you think though that people are in a way they're, they live their lives um, under the influence of, of two things, their, their, their past habits uh-huh. and the fact that they don't make an effort to change them. And I, I just think that I was a person who wanted to change things when they weren't right. I, I always thought, okay, this isn't working, then I have to be open and free enough to experience, which meant that I took the risk. And I think that did make a difference. And also, I have to say, I, from the, from the moment I was born, I believe I was really, really deeply, deeply um, spiritual. I, I loved going to church. I loved singing in the choir. I wanted to pray, and I did. And I, I for all practical purposes, did spend time wanting, you know, to, to be part of the, 
the catechism and and I put myself through years and years and years of reading the dogmas and and studying hmm. Buddhism and Hinduism and just wanting to get a handle on higher levels of consciousness and and really what does the prof- profound world of the religious order you know um give us and where does that take us so i think that once once you you become a practitioner of your own path you're going to walk down so many branches and and experience something and come to a dead end and then it'll awaken again so with with a spiritual awakening inside of you that desire to to continue pursuing the omnipotence of life and God and whether there's a God or no God, I can't even answer those questions, but I want to know that I'm on a path, that whatever the realms are that we're experiencing in this particular realm, I don't want to leave this with messy things. I'm very wanting to to do the highest and best I can, and that means forgiveness, and it means trying to be in servitude to humanity, not leaving myself standing at the front door with a hand out in front of me and, and closing that door and saying, I can't help you. You know, it's like each thing is an awakening of what you have in front of you is an opportunity. And I just, I think there's a deeper level of conversation here to share about, you know, who we are as human beings. And, mm-hmm. but if you're going to master your one lifetime in this lifetime right now, no matter where it's going to take you or whether or not we have consciousness, you know, beyond this or what realms exist, to release yourself from having to return to suffering, then we must be able to experience, you know, the ability to not hold on to things, to be able to relinquish them and see the benefit for all. Who do we relinquish to? What do you mean? Not even. You, not, you're, not, you're talking about to yourself. So deep, deep stuff. And I just like I, I get it, but I don't want to overstep it and have it be left confusing in somebody's mind. Um, so if you're holding on to a grudge, how about that? Then you then you you have to in in it's it's an interesting uh, process, but. Um, in Buddhism, in Tibetan Buddhism, there's a practice called Tonglen, and it's an opportunity for you to actually think about the person and their situation and be that person, and then at the same time experience what it would be or to feel like, and then hold the space with them, and then you basically release it so that you actually don't have any reason or purpose to fulfill holding anger or angst against them. So there, there's so many wonderful teachings and, and, you know, opportunities for people on this earth right now to delve into. And whether it's new age or it's an old practice or it's, or, or, you're, or you're following the catechisms and studies of, you know, Christianity, if you've got a path, you know, I, I always listen and have the opportunity to listen to the Dalai Lama say, mm. it doesn't matter if you are, you know, it doesn't matter what religion you are. Are you, the, are you doing everything in that religion that you were raised in? Because if you are, then there is no reason for you to try and find another religion or to, to be the best that you can possibly be. Because for those of you who are thinking that you want to be a Buddhist, that's the toughest life there is. Oh, no. <laughs> there's a, there's a, an unbelievable practice. And 
and a very difficult one to follow. But if you, if you simply are in practice, you're in practice equal to all humanity. It's not religion. It's about us being human beings to one another. My my um, joyful moment in life, of course, in 2006, I had an opportunity uh, to support this little tiny um, orphanage in, in Angkor Wat in in um, Cambodia. And that was a moment in a really significant aha way because I was looking at everything I have here and then I thought about the sustainability of their culture and how after the Khmer Rouge, they are only now able to bring back their cultural heritage, their folklore. And there we are, you know, striving to do all these other things and and hurting one another and, and kind of like a world in chaos when you don't need to have that. So I supported the, the orphanage in Cambodia and built a school and then um, a school for the monks and we held one of the first, um, after the Khmer Rouge, after actually 20 some odd years, the first time that the different provinces of Cambodia were able to get together and the monks and the nuns prayed together in Angkor Wat, the sacred grounds, in Siem Rip for four days and it was probably one of the most amazing experiences for them to have had because they shed the tears they cried about the past and they and they cried for the future that it will be beneficial to all of all sentient beings that's beautiful I know it was amazing but if we in this one lifetime can rewire our thinking that way and just you know you know, just really embrace enjoying who you are, what you're doing in this moment, who's around you. And then if you do have an idea that you want to, you know, um, doesn't matter what it is you're going to choose to do. You, there's nothing stopping you. There is absolutely nothing stopping you. It's you stopping you. Can I ask you something? I, I you know, I look at um, everything that you've done and that you've been able to support um, this orphanage and everything. And there's a lot of us, myself included, that have debt, that don't have finance, finances worked out and struggle maybe with money. And, and you know, I, I would love nothing more than to have oodles of income so that I could be a philanthropist and share everywhere I, I can you know and um and, it, and it's so easy to say you know well money's stopping me because I've got to really work hard just to have my mortgage and and buy groceries and and there's some income coming from the book but you know I haven't hit it big yet whatever that is but you know you talk about this rewiring of the brain can you use maybe money or scarcity or what whatever that is could you maybe talk a little bit about what it would what you mean by rewiring of the brain and maybe in the context of uh maybe money abundance and and seeing can i know we talked a little bit before we started about um weight about you know thinking thin you know and rewiring the brain but how about on the on the front of um of like finances you know like could you you know what I'm asking? Could you give an example how we could put in a practice of maybe rewiring a little bit? And I know there's a big practice that goes with it, but just to give us a little hint of what you mean. Mm, so you've just tapped on the shoulders of all those things that <laughs> are are 
so worthy of, of long discussion. So, I know. Oh, my goodness. And so, you know what, Patricia, mm-hmm. this, this is a, a doorway that we're just opening because, you know, there's no way in an hour we can handle it all but just to be connected to have a connection with you to find out the book and your website and just open the door because you know not everybody's going to be interested but there are some including myself that it's like I need more I need more so this is just this conversation touches upon it so I I know I know you can't give us the secrets of the universe right in this (laughs) hour but you know do the best you can (laughs) Pandora's box sure yes (laughs) so here here's something um um, I, I'd love to share mm-hmm. with you. Um, there is a, a fantastic opportunity with uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, who mm-hmm. is, you know, changing the way we we are from inside out. And I've I've been involved with his workshops, and his book right now is um, "You Are the Placebo," and he's also, you know, working on our taking into consideration meditation mm-hmm. uh, and not meditation in terms of you know I'm going to I'm praying to a god or, or a goddess or but meditation in terms of calming the mind and getting in control of our mind and our body and I think once you've done a little bit of that practice there's calming and abiding and you start to feel that you bring to your present mind the ability to see yourself in the future I'm making this very simple but yeah, that's for okay. those who want to study a little more of the neuroplasticity and the neuroscience, that's an excellent, it's an excellent way to start, you know, training the brain. Um, the question that, you know, you talk about with, you know, I'd love to be able to do a whole lot more than I am and I'm not making enough money yet and mm-hmm. I need my finances to be reorganized. Um, I'll just say, first of all, it's discipline. I really think that you're... Um, taking life, whatever it is, there are people who have a very fixed income and it's a nominal income and they survive. There are those people who are in that situation that have foster children or they are, um, you know, giving up their time, you know, even going to visit cancer patients or Meals on Wheels, whatever it is. That is philanthropy. That is charity and and when we sit with our mind not in the in the way that we have to think that money is the only way that we become charitable or that we we become givers in, in our in our serving then your time is so valuable so maybe not being financially in a position to put bricks and and mortar uh-huh. um, down but there is that state of being where you know I, I'm part of a community then and I can serve my community by doing something that I like even if there's so many grandmothers that sit and do here in our at one of the churches they just knit all summer mittens and then they take them over to one of the organizations or they have a sale and and there they go all the mittens are given to all the kids who don't have mittens so and they're doing something that's very important to themselves to the world to humanity the second thing I want to think about is what do you do with your time and I, I guess for a lot of us who um, are really into understanding time management, we value what we do. So I don't want to say that I organize 24 hours a day of my life, but I can tell you that I'm probably one of those people who it takes time to think through my whole month, my two months, 
and where am I going to be and what do I need and how much time do I carve out for myself personally? So when you start valuing time and realizing that it can collapse at any time as well, then yes. you're doing your prior, the most things that are of greatest um, priority or will give you the strongest results or the highest results should be those on priority. So if there's a day where you do need to rest, don't feel guilty about it, but rest. But if there's a day that you are wandering aimlessly through life saying, I don't know what I want to do, I shouldn't do this, I, I'm so bored, mm-hmm. you know, that is your issue. And and if you want to complain about, you know, I'm not doing this, that, and the other, then you have to do some digging into you know, how to switch that around. And there are people who just simply have no interest in changing, but those that do wish to change, they will start to seek out, you know, the opportunity, you know, to, I I believe everything can stem quite cleanly from learning how to have a, a nice quiet meditation practice and getting very clear, getting healthy with your body, releasing yourself from attachment to negative thoughts and, and, really doing some work on transforming um, yourself into the person, like we talked about, you know, thinking thin. I mean, it's a very difficult um, problem for a lot of people to, you know, be able to look at themselves every day in the mirror and say, I am my perfect and best self. (laughs) Oh, my (laughs) gosh. That makes me laugh, obviously, because I don't think I'm my perfect and best self, but we say it anyways. We do, and yet you've accomplished so so much i know and you think of yourself as as you know the bricks and mortar you're physical right. so you think well i don't I'm, I'm a pound overweight or i should be doing a little more exercise but it's it's a matter of you managing who you are and taking the time to discipline yourself and and i don't know just working it out as far as finances go that's that's management everyone knows you know here's how much i'm making if you're self-employed mm-hmm. and you're not making any money you've got to put some a funnel together to figure out how you can increase your revenues and and do some marketing and increase the number of people that are coming to your um you know to your product or your service you know what i like about you patricia is <laughs> And this is just funny because there are so many people, you know, what I really wanted you to say is, you know, think yourself thin, think yourself rich. It's just a practice of the mind. But no, it's structure and commitment and follow through. And, you know, and I just think, (laughs) wow, she's got it all. This woman, she's got it all because it's it it's very the world of the mind and mindfulness and forgiveness and that whole thing is very real and meditation and everything. But then there's the actual action steps that are aligned with that. You know, the more concrete things that like to do and to structure time and, and know, yeah, yeah. You might say you don't have your 24 hours plotted out, but you know, I don't, I don't see you as a person that every day is sitting on the couch eating bonbons, you know, flipping through the soap operas. You know, I don't. <laughs> but you have to be fair, too. So mm-hmm. in mindfulness, this is, this is you know, um, this is what I think makes a big difference. If you can keep this in the, in the forefront of your thinking, that you are fully present in this moment without judgment. And that, that without judgment part is also not about other people but it's about yourself so right now i'm fully present in this moment without judgment and i'm here to experience 
And in that experience, I'm going to start making better choices for myself. I'm going to start thinking through what do I really want? Who's in my, you know, they talk about elimination of, you know, um, negative aspects. Well, sometimes you can't get rid of something that is, you know, um, a family, for example, a family member that, right. that may in fact be causing you great grief. You can learn how to remanage your attention to that. You can learn how to rewire in your own being so that you're not serving any other master. You're not defined by the things that are or the people that are around you. You start redefining yourself based on what you think your needs are or not even think what your needs are, but you know what you want. You, you start to develop a a, um, a system within yourself and, and you set goals. I mean, the nicest thing we have is the opportunity to know the difference between, you know, lazy and, and active. <laughs> it's pretty simple. <laughs> uh, you can either be very lazy about all those things or you can be very active. Right. It's your call. Now, if you have illness or you've, or you've got a debilitating um, situation or you're having to be a caregiver, caregiver to someone and you don't have that opportunity or luxury, you know, you, you can still find other ways of, of shifting and, you know, sometimes people don't ask for help. You know, when, when I wrote Karmic Alibi, originally I said my tagline on it was gaining expedient wisdom by rehumanizing your attitude. And in a lot of ways, I love that line because expedient wisdom, like right now, mm-hmm. I'm going to get this by rehumanizing my attitude. And that that really means I'm calling myself on myself. And I'm saying, wow, so were you, you know, a nasty person? Did you make bad decisions in your life? Have you not always been? Well, of course. I mean, my gosh, we're here in this realm and, you know, I've made so many bad decisions or choices and I'm paying the consequences through, through my karma and through relationships and all kinds Uh of things, circumstances. But am I, am I trying to stay on a path right now? Absolutely. Am I interested in being mindful about all my choices from here on forward? Yes, I am. Is that easy? No, it's not. What does it take? It takes discipline. It takes hard work and it takes being mindful so that I am constantly aware of what it is I'm putting my energy and my thoughts into. Wow. It, it sounds like this world of mindfulness takes as much attention as like if you're trying to change a habit. I mean, you're really paying attention to the thoughts and, um, mm-hmm. and, and you're having a discipline there. I, you know, that's, I think for many of us, the hardest muscle to build is really watching our thoughts. And it's so much easier to be negative and stew in victim mode and go into a lazy mind and um, and we live in monkey brain. <laughs> well, for those of uh, uh, those that haven't heard what monkey brain is, can you give your Patricia Geigich impression of monkey brain? Just hanging from one thought to another and letting our brains just, you know, run in a whim. Like I'm going to think something and I'm just going to overthink it and add things to it and just be monkey brain. I, I can't, we can't be monkey brain. We've got to no. settle down. And you know what? I love what you said. I am fully present in this moment without judgment. It, it Like you said that, I wrote it down. And, um, you know, I personally spend a, a lot of time thinking, is this right? Is it wrong? Is it what I need to be doing? Shouldn't it be? How's, how's this person going to react? What if I say this? What's going to come back? And just by saying I'm fully present in this moment without judgment kind of leaves open this, um, you know, what does Sandra want? Like, 
I, you know, I, I've been a, a people pleaser and like what I should be doing and what looks good and, you know, what looks bad and a lot of ego centered stuff. But um, being fully present in this moment without judgment, I, I think what could op open up for myself and others really is getting some clarity as to who we are and what it is we do want. Yeah. Sandra, if we could condition ourselves you know, to stay away from anxiety and stress and, and keep, and, and the thing is that we fuel as much energy in that when it's presented to us as we could, if we could look at it in a certain situation and say, is there a better answer to this or is there a better outcome? And when we detach from our need to have the, the perfect end result, then sometimes we do make those better choices and we can walk away from people too. We can walk away from situations because this life is impermanent, you know. So if in this moment your state of existence and your subtle body and your mind are experiencing, you know, an anxiety, then your your mind is continually plagued by that longing and, and being dissatisfied. So you want to give yourself a difference. You want to be able to see yourself as, you know, being in the experience, but um, do I need to bring that much harm to myself? Whatever you're bringing in to your to your emotional um, experience, you're taking that inside your body. That's why we have illnesses. That's why people have ulcers. That's why people, you know, go through significant depression and and mm-hmm. so much so much of this is is new science. At the same time, it's very old old medicine. Right. But the mind can 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 heal. The mind has the ability. There's a um, um, an artist that I am friends with. His name is Andre Mirapolsky, and uh, he's actually from Los Angeles. And many years ago, he had been invited by Wolfgang Puck to his wedding in France, in the mm-hmm. south of France, and also to paint the interior of one of his restaurants. And he did that, and he went to the wedding, and he got on a plane, and he got into Los Angeles, jumped in his car, and fell asleep at the wheel and drove into a tree. It's a, a very horrible story, but he was unconscious for several months in a coma, broke, I believe, you know, I don't know how many bones in his body, plate in his head, eventually laying in the bed. He said to himself, I'm not going to die. I'm not going to be crippled. And he built an army of, of cells and he laid in bed and he thought about his cells in his leg and his cells in his arm and the cell in his hip. And he got the cells working together, not fighting, an army that wanted to work together to mend. They became so vital to him that that's all he wanted to do. And he actually created the ability for himself to live and have a normal life and be productive. And he is truly one of those miracle stories. So I think that people who have that... Um, you know, that dedication and the just that fight or flight, like the spirit within to really, really make it through something, they will. And it, and it starts in the mind, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Wow. Well, our time... Though... Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I was just going to say, even though we don't live forever, yeah, we still have this time. We are in this body. And we you, you have to plan wisely. You plan wisely for your death. If, if you can start thinking about, you know, the realities of your life but and being fully present now, but always having comfort in knowing that 
everything that you're doing now is is for the best of yourself and for the best of those around you and and you, you know you'll overcome a great deal at the end of your life wow it sounds so scary yet you know i have to remember practicing what i preach we we don't die and when i would love for each human being is at the end of our physical life in the human form that we've prepared for it and that we've played full out and we've done everything we know to do and had a joyful life made a profound difference mm-hmm. um were creative had great relationships lots of learning and growth and that there was that comfort that you know i'm i'm good with this you know there's a few older folks that i've met even my grandmother included said you know she was fine with when it was her time to die she says you know when the good lord calls me forth i can't come fifth you know that's what she would always say <laughs> and um yeah. and then there's many 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 more that um you know it doesn't matter how old they get they're, they're still afraid of uh of death so to prepare so what i wanted to say though is our time is coming to an end really quickly and you know we could talk to you forever because you're pretty amazing but i would love for you to share uh, a couple things. One, um, how people can find out more about you. You, you know, if you have a website, if um, you want to talk a little bit and share Karmic Alibi and what your message is in Karmic Alibi, because, you know, your 39 other books aren't written yet and you're who knows what else is yet undone for me to learn from you. But I, you, you have cracked open a door for me and um, I want to learn more. And so would Karmic Alibi be the next step to open my mind up a little bit more and find out more about you? What, what do you recommend and how can we get in touch with you? Uh, thank you. Um, first of all, thank you for, you know, I know we're going to be ending this and I, and I want to say thank you so much. It's been a wonderful conversation and, you know, um, I think when you as a human being are are doing what you're doing by allowing people to share and you're listening and, and receiving as, and, and manifesting, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a really beautiful experience. So I, I want to say thank you so much. And it's so wonderful to know you. You're welcome. It's just the beginning, though, with our friendship because I'm like, yeah. I like this woman. We're going to stay in touch. <laughs> Yeah, joined at the hip now. <laughs> um, so thank you again. So Karmic Alibi, um, actually the tagline for the book is Gaining Expedient Wisdom by Leaving Your Excuses Behind. So Love I really that. do thank you. I treasure the experiences I've had and, you know, I write about them in the book as a bit of a memoir. And then when you read my experience, I don't give you all of those you know, great, great details. I actually wrote the book on the basis that I take you immediately to the experience, to what is transpiring. And then I bring in my character, the wisdom auditor, as a, as a guide. And when you, when you finish one chapter, you move to the next experience. So the book all by itself gives you um, a picture of one person's life and that I survived. There are things that have happened, you know, that I sit and I think, I, I really can't believe I got through that. And a lot of people have not gotten through some of the things that I've had to go through. So, yes, my book definitely is um, a comfort a comfort book, but it's also a book of teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there, I'm starting to get the, the website yanked together. So uh, it is 
www.inspiredtoberewired.com. And um, there's, there's a little bit of information there. And I talk about mastering the five radical degrees in the, um, on the website. I potentially am looking at bringing my, um, my new work, which is Mastering Life's Transitions, to a speaking level and also seminars. Uh, I'm including some, some consulting, which is going to take the form of both you know, transformative and applied mindfulness. Um, as a feng shui consultant, I'm also really concerned with the health and um, the wealth and, and the way that you know, people are living and occupying their landform, their space. And there are remedies that are available. It's classical feng shui, but it's very important. And, you know, some people can say that's so woo-woo, but I think that there's great merit to understanding we all have a field and sphere of energy around us. And in that field of energy, there are things that can shift. So it's it's not being naive, it's being open. And I think sometimes we ask the questions, you always have to ask why how come, whatever, may not get an answer, but the curiosity might lead you to another door being opened. So I I do have quite a bit on my plate, and I'm excited Uh about moving (laughs) forward. (laughs) And and that's kind of where I'm at right now. (laughs) Oh, and, you know, I really do thank you. We all thank you for taking this time to be with us. And um, I'm delighted that this beautiful woman I met at a seminar now just shared her heart with us. I mean, I really am. And you just left me wanting a lot more. And, you know, I'm nowhere near perfect and not any one of us is. And I think if we can learn from somebody else and somebody else's stories and have a better quality of life, I mean, that's what, you know, that's what I'm out for. And I, if this is your first episode listening to uh, We Don't Die, I hope it's been valuable. If it's not, and you've listened to all of them, because I know I've got a whole bunch of people that are just waiting for the next, I, I thank you for your dedication. Because what it tells me is that we're all on this path together, uh, all human beings. We're, we all have fears. We all have questions. And we really want to make the best of our life w- with what we've got right here. So um, yes, it's great to read books. Yes, it's great to go to seminars and, and stuff like that. But just by sheerly just spending an hour listening to Patricia and I, I really do hope you've got some great value. And Patricia, thank you. Um, thank you. Thank you for being here. And um, for our listener, too. If you go to wedontdieradio.com, you can see who the lovely Patricia is. You see a picture of her. I'm going to put a link to her book so you can uh, take a look at what Karmic Alibi is. And I'll also put a link to her website, Inspired to be Rewired. And I think just as a as a closing comment because it really hit me very very deeply that I am fully present in this moment without judgment and write down those words um, I just did the same and maybe as a, a practice um, starting right now have those words handy and get used to maybe um, rewiring the brain a little to, you know, be with those words and, and what they mean and quieting that monkey brain she talked about. And um, boy, 
you know, I, I do think there is a, a world of possibility for our lives, for really greatness, for making a difference, for even results that we haven't even tapped into. And truthfully, is it as easy as just visualizing it and voila, here it comes? No, we do have to put in the practices and um, and the discipline and, and the work. But you know, looking at my friend Patricia here, she's done a whole lot and uh, and she's made a, a tremendous difference. So um, right here, right now, this is Sandra Champlain. I've been your host at WeDon'tDieRadio.com. Um, if this show has made a difference for you, you know, yes, I'd love you to uh, put a review on iTunes or um, however you're listening to this. But if you just want to send an email and if you go to uh, wedontdieradio.com, there's a place you can contact Sandra. If you have any thoughts, if you have, if you want to share if this or any of the episodes made a difference for you or if there's something you're looking for or somebody you want to hear from, you know, I invite you to to write to me because I really would like to know and and you know I'm here for your success in life as well as my own but and for you and so um, I hope it's made a difference so one last time in the words of our great guest Patricia Geigich I am fully present in this moment without judgment so thanks for listening and we'll see you soon Mm -hmm.